This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the post-game podcast to react to Liverpool's 2-0 win over Burnley. It was an emotional and special afternoon which started with a tribute to Andrew Devine, the 97th victim of the Hillsborough tragedy and which ended with a thoroughly deserved victory for the Reds who were playing in front of a full house at Anfield for the first time in 528 days. And it's from Anfield that we start this podcast as we get the verdict of Paul Gorst, the Liverpool Echo's Liverpool FC correspondent, before hearing Jurgen Klopp's post-match press conference in full and then the thoughts of Mike Holt who recorded his contribution from the stands moments after the full-time whistle. We'll then listen to what Mike's fellow Liverpool fans, Mark Baker and Owen Thomas, have to say on a result that took the Reds top of the early Premier League table. But as I say, we'll start at Anfield with Gorsty. Liverpool have gone top of the Premier League, if only temporarily after a 2-0 win here against Burnley, uh, as supporters return to Anfield for the first time since March 2020, 532 days since that 2-1 win at Bournemouth back in March 2020, as we say, and ran about uh, what is it, 528 since that 3-2 defeat to Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. Seems a long time ago now, doesn't it? But Liverpool fans at the time were singing Liverpool, Liverpool top of the league. And once again, they were left singing it as they uh, made their exits away from Anfield this afternoon. Uh, goals from Diogo Jota and Sadio Mane have done the damage to, uh, to Burnley. Uh, Burnley, of course, the team who inflicted the first of six straight defeats back in January um, last season. Liverpool at the first ever time in the history that they were... Uh, on the losing sequence such as that and uh, of course the season before on a sleepy Saturday afternoon in July Burnley held the Reds to a 1-1 draw so this win over Burnley's probably been a longer time coming than many expected but Liverpool were thoroughly deserving of that 2-0 win uh, Diogo Jota as we say got the ball rolling in the first half with the wonderful header cop end from Kostas Shimakas's uh, flight at delivery uh, didn't even have to jump he just nodded it beyond Nick Pope uh, and only Dominic Calvert-Lewin Romelu Lukaku uh, and Christian Benteke have scored more goals with their head um, since Diogo Jota's uh, Liverpool debut 11 months ago. Uh, it's really hit the ground running at Liverpool and uh, more will be needed as Liverpool go forward over the coming weeks and months. Um, the Reds pressed for a second, uh, had one or two cleared off the line uh, before a wonderful back-to-front move from uh, Virgil van Dijk, just, uh, just a little bit f- uh, further behind me. He crossed it to uh, Harvey Elliott, who cut inside. Trent Alexander-Arnold played Mane in and he made no mistake to make it 2-0 past uh, Nick Pope, Liverpool, fully deserving of the three points, uh, Burnley put up a bit of a fight but ultimately were uh, a little bit limited in attack, um, Virgil van Dijk and Joel Matip largely in trouble for most of the uh, most of the game um, so Liverpool go on uh, next week of course, they're back here against Chelsea uh, a big fixture has to be said uh, probably an early um, test of where Liverpool are at currently, you know, back-to-back wins and haven't conceded a goal but uh, a big test with uh, with Chelsea coming here next week and then it's Leeds so, um, you know, the big fixes don't really stop for the Reds up until that international break but uh, for now they go home fans uh, depart here after 18 months as you say, the first uh, first visit back uh, with smiles on the faces Jürgen Klopp touched the uh, badge on his chest and saluted the fans a full time and uh, he was thoroughly happy with uh, his players' work so it's finished there Liverpool 2, Burnley 0 Hi, Jürgen. Uh, two, two questions, if possible. Uh, firstly, how pleased were you with the performance, you know, the crowd being back in the ground? And secondly, could you speak a little bit about Harvey Elliott's performance as well, please? Yeah, so the, the, obviously everybody was really looking forward to this, um, to this fest today, whatever, football fest, I want to call it, um, to this game. Um, and... Um, I think nobody leaves this place today with any kind of disappointment because um, I think all our 
dreams were fulfilled today atmosphere wise and the people that was for sure the best 1230 <laughs> um, 12.30 atmosphere we had and um, yeah it was pretty special really special and um, so how the game was as well pretty special because Burnley is Burnley and Burnley caused your problems and Burnley caused us problems and obviously the new idea about football let the game more flow or whatever yeah, I think we will talk about that quite frequently over the year. Um, but we won the game. We played a good game. Um, we scored two, could have scored more. Yes, needed Ali in moments as well, even when the best save he had was probably was offside before, but it was anyway a sensational save. Um, and Harvey was part of this performance because he... You know, everybody, everybody wants to speak to me about Harvey, but I understand absolutely when an 18-year-old boys play such a mature game, I can understand that everybody's asking. But um, I was not surprised that he plays like this. That's exactly how he trained now since six, seven weeks since we are back, since he's back from, from, um, um, from loan. And yeah, it's good. Thank you, Paul. We'll go to Chris Baskin from The Telegraph, then to Tim Thornton from Sky and to Kieran Cunningham. Chris Baskin. Hi, again. There was a kind of um, reassuring familiarity about uh, Virgil and Joel there. I mean, it just, can you just talk a little bit about them? I mean, just to, to not being together as a unit and just to deal with a particular challenge today. Yeah, yeah, we are not surprised about that because obviously they played together. They are both really good footballers and um, that's how it is. But I can tell you now already this because of the, 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 the things happened during the last year and we needed desperately um, the, the fourth centre-half. Now we have six with, um, with um, Reese and Ned Phillips. Uh, and so we needed we needed that and so they will all play the, the the first four will definitely play all together and they have to, we have to mix it up and we will do that because they don't have nobody of, of these guys especially after a long injury should play there now all the time three games in a week stuff like this so we need to find a way to 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 get used to that but this game today there was no chance to change anything from last week because you needed to be used to each other to face this burnley team um, you know, it's, they, that's really special, really specific, and um, they're very aggressive. And how I said, with the new idea, let the game flow, that uh, that makes it not easier. So, the, um, and yeah, it's a situation. So, it was a, a tough game, an intense game, how it always was against Burnley. We won it. It was not always like this, but um, sometimes as well. So, let's just keep going. Okay, great. Uh, Phil, uh, sorry, Tim Thornton, sorry, from Sky for two questions. Jürgen, can I just ask you about the performance of the two fullbacks today? Trent in particular, obviously, had his injury problems in the summer, but back to his best today. And, and how well do you feel your side dealt with the, the physical challenge that Burnley uh, represented today? Yeah, both fullbacks with a good game, so um, both spectacular if you want with two nice you know costas with the cross and and trent with uh with uh, the little cheeky curveball or whatever um on Sadio. no it was a good game and yes that's part of the uh, uh, of the if, if i think everybody thinks both fullbacks played a good game in in the situation 
that means they were defensively good as well in really in a really difficult game from a dis- defensive point of view. Because in football, usually you have a plan, you have an idea how you're going to want to win the ball here or there. Against Burnley, there is no winning the ball here or there. That's only around the sec- around the, the centre-halves where you have to pick the ball up and we have to protect constantly like crazy because there is the ball ending up. Um, uh, if you don't, I cannot remember a high-press situation, I think it's just not possible. At least it was not possible today. But the fullbacks were really good, which helped us to win the game. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and then the last couple will take one from Kieran Canning from AFP and then we'll finish with Paul Joyce who's put the hand up again I presume for a follow-up. Kieran. Uh, hi Jürgen. Hi. The, the focus on, on Virgil's comeback has been more defensively but just how much of an impact does having him for his distribution from the back make to the, the overall way the team can play because we saw in the second half particularly those diagonal balls that he plays out to the, the right-hand side that created quite a few chances. Yeah, of course, that's really helpful. <laughs> the package version Van Dijk is really helpful. I just, I just don't understand why we constantly. I, I like talking about virtual, but I just don't like if you talk about last season. Everybody in virtual Van Dijk didn't play. Just to mention again, Joe Gomez and Joel Martin didn't play as well, which didn't make the situation easier. Um, and people tend to forget how good they are. Um, no, but of course, it's cool having Virgil back. He was for sure in moments on the edge today, not physically, but not in a dangerous way, just because the intensity of the game was incredible, for, especially for the centre-halves. You're constantly in the air. The ref whistles absolutely nothing. Strikers are in your body. You jump, you get down. That was the proper test today. Yeah, And I, I honestly, I love football. I love all these challenges and all these kind of things, yes, but... We came from protecting the players slightly more to let the game more flow. There is a grey area in between, which for sure we will have to adapt again during the season because just let the game now run I, doesn't sound like it makes too much sense. We have to still need to, to talk about different things. But it was for the day, it was fine, but it was a proper test for, for Santa House, it was a proper test for World Today. He passed it and all good. And the final question back to Paul to finish this press conference. It was just on that point about the letting the game flow more. Um, speaking generally, do, do you think what what is what would you like to what would you like to be done about about things? You've obviously got concerns. Concerns. I, I don't. I'm not, not the Pope of football or whatever, and and uh, or any kind of priest. I want to tell them tell the people what to do these kind of thing really not it's just um when we when you might remember it when we start about talking about the elbow in the challenge all of a sudden all all challenges in in in, in the air were like we heard a whistle so what's going on now so it's happened then that players started to feeling something in the face even when nothing touched them because it helped always showing doing this that we went to all these different things. Now there's the message, like like a headline: let the game all flow. It started with the penalties, no soft penalties anymore, which is absolutely fine. But we cannot forget that we have to protect the players as well, and the challenge is in the air. So that's not me saying that. That's common sense, sports science, whatever. You're in the air. You know when you're in the air, you go down. You you, you can. Fix that, it's no problem. But if you don't know how to you get down because somebody is with your body, that's a dangerous situation in football in general. That's a dangerous situation. I don't say they are all fouls for sure not. Most of the time it's a clear challenge. But if you do these kind of things constantly and everything, 
there are different ways to to play football. Obviously, and that's all fine. There were no, there were just a few, a few hard hard situations, and I still stick to it. The the the, the goal against Arsenal that was not dangerous at all. But just yeah, how can you? Keep the goalie away from the situation. Everybody tells the goalie, and you have to be there, but he cannot be there because if he wants to be there, then he has to make a foul himself. And that's just not possible. You would expect in these situations that the ref helps. Again, we are early in the season. I don't want to open now already the box of Pandora. I just think we have to speak about these kind of things because that the season, the intensity of the season didn't even start. We play from after international games. So from next week on, the players play even with international. There are, by the way, the FIFA gave the 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 the, uh, the, the oh, what is it the, the Brazilian or you know, the South American the, the opportunity to play a third game. It's like they can play the third game on Thursday night in Brazil, and we can do nothing in a moment against that. I don't know how well we solved that, and have our our match is either Saturday or Sunday against Leeds. <laughs> Means uh, how we want to deal with that. So just to say, the intensity is starting now. In a moment, it's like. It's like still extended preseason. You play a game, then if a week to prepare the next game, then if a week to prepare the next game. After that game against Chelsea, the players play always, our players and a lot of others play always three games a week until Easter. So, and that's the situation. And that's why we cannot just make a spectacle of challenges and on the other side, and oh yeah, and they might, might be a little bit tired. And all these things, the first thing we have to be concerned about is not the spectacle, is the player. That's what I always said. And it's for us exactly the same, like it is for other teams. If we do something in, a, in the kind of challenges, it's not only one side, it's just for all of us. We will have a lot of football games, but we only have them if our players are available. If they are available, then we have to make sure that they don't get hurt in situations we could avoid. Mike Holt live from Anfield for the first time for 18 months. Back in a full capacity, which feels absolutely amazing. Um, Liverpool 2, Burnley 0, some absolutely fantastic performances in there but how can you even start with the performances when you just want to talk about being back to going to the match with your best mates, you know, it doesn't get anything better than that. Full capacity and feeling the atmosphere was just amazing today, it was emotional and you know, it's not something that we've felt for so long and it's meant so much to everybody. Going into the match, I think we were absolutely superb before Standout performances, I thought Simicast is absolutely superb. Keita played a, a sort of Gini Wijnaldum sort of role in that midfield. Harvey Elliott, obviously, it was a massive game for Harvey Elliott today. And he really did stand up to the to the, to the the approach today. And, you know, I think it's saying something that Jürgen left him on to get his applause to the end of the game. And he's going to be a massive player this season. Obviously, the front three, I thought, in terms of individual performances, I thought they were quite quiet, but... You know, Jota obviously comes up with the goal, superb header. And uh, Manny gets his goal, which is great for his confidence too. Salah was obviously a live wire throughout the whole match. And I suppose looking at it in the defence, I thought Virgil, you know, only just his defending, but his passing, his distribution was absolutely superb. And, you know, that's something great to see after such a massive injury. Allison, you know, when he had to get called upon, he made some superb saves. The cops singing his name at the end and... You know, I don't really want to focus too much on the actual game today. I want to focus on being back in the ground, being back with your mates. And, you know, there was a lot of things made of the NFC passes getting into the match. You know, truth be told, it was a bit of a farce getting back in the ground. But who cares when we were back in the ground, back singing together, 
hugging people that you don't even know the name, but superb to be back on the ground today and made up. And Liverpool getting three points means it even better. Liverpool top of the league. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Thanks very much to Mike Holtz for his verdict. And now we'll get the thoughts of Mark Baker, who focuses on the excellent Harvey Elliott and the position he adopted. And then Owen Thomas, who believes something special is just brewing. Good result for Liverpool coming away with a 2-0 win against Burnley to start off the season with maximum points from the two games. I felt in both games, it hasn't been as controlled a performance from Liverpool as I would have liked to have seen against what I would say is pretty limited opposition in relation to the Premier League. And you normally see that domination from Liverpool reflected in possession and all aspects of a game in terms of statistically opportunities in both boxes. And I actually believe that Liverpool have been fortunate to have kept two clean sheets in both fixtures so far where the goalkeepers have to play very well. And I think there's been a stages in games where Liverpool have lacked control in that midfield section of the pitch. A lack of domination. Obviously, you could say that today you could see that Burnley playing with a front two really pressed high, tried to stop Liverpool's centre-halves being available to receive possession. And then, too often, wrong choices were made within that midfield section of the pitch and then the ball was turned over a bit more than you would like. But I'm mainly referring to the first half here because in the second half, Liverpool were able to gain that control over the game and really... You could see that in the numerics in terms of how many chances Liverpool were to be able to create and, and finish the game much stronger um, than they played it for the majority. So, lots of good performances individually. I felt Jordan Henderson was the best player on the field, whether it was playing one touch, two touch. I thought he was excellent in everything that he did. It should be no surprise. He's an elite midfield player in European and the Premier League competition. And again, it just displayed how crucial he is to this Liverpool side and his adaptability to play as the deepest player, or as we know, he can play higher in them two midfield slots. He was rivaled by Trent Alexander-Arnold again, and it's no surprise as to the reasons why. Technically, with the ball, I just felt he was absolutely outstanding in his variety of chance creation that he can accumulate to, to find his forward players the, the difference in range that he has, the to find the moving targets and the craft to be able to seek out a pass or break a line, whatever it may be. And to have such influence from a full-back area on a game of football at the highest level is quite outstanding and has been for, well, a long period of time now. His opposite full-back, Costa Simicas, I felt he struggled during the last 30 minutes against Norwich, which is to be understandable. His first Premier League game, there's a lot of adrenaline there. However, today he was absolutely fantastic. Um, full of energy, delivery. You could see the quality in the way that he shapes his crosses, the, te- the techniques to be able to play them into the penalty area and having a similar profile in that sense to Andy Robertson, which should be no surprise because of obviously we know that Liverpool look for the similar player, player profile in them roles. But you could really see um, that he's a, he's a viable option to play that position this season and not be in a position where the accumulation of games then affects Robertson's quality on a weekly basis. And Harvey Elliott, I have touched on in recent weeks about the fact of Liverpool not having the hybrid player since Felipe Coutinho who can operate in a midfield three and in the front three 
dependent on the opposition and the requirements of the team for that particular game. And obviously, Elliot, as he has in midfield for pre-season, operated as part of the front three, obviously to the right-hand side, looking to uh, connect midfield to attack with his left foot. Played very well. I mean, what you, what you have to remember as well, I mean, sometimes you forget just how young this player is and the fact that he's operating in that position of such responsibility for Liverpool at that age makes me believe there's a real, real player there. And you could see, you can see, you know, in terms of his performance in relation to his age. Now, when I talk about a player who can play in that midfield three or the front three, that does not necessarily mean a number 10. So you think about, or a second striker, if you like. So Bruno Fernandes is often put in the category, for example, of midfield players. He's not a midfield player. He's a second striker. His average position on the football field tells you that. And he very much plays virtually on the highest line of the the pitch. Now, in having a number 10 in your side, it really means that you're limited in the system that you can you can play or deploy. So Manchester United have to play uh, with a four, two and a one, or any system that incorporates a one, because realistically, you can't have that player operating anywhere else. They normally don't have the pace to be able to operate wide, and they don't have the reliability to play deeper. Now, the great thing about Coutinho was he could operate on that left-hand side of a midfield three, which is a completely different position, and have that discipline in the position, but also be able to see the game in front of him rather than operating on the highest line. And Elliot, it seems that Liverpool are trying him in this particular role. And again, we don't know his current level. We know that it's obviously very good for his age, but how much of an impact Klopp believes he can have. And I would suggest against the lower reaches of the Premier League teams, in trying to break them down this season could be a real benefit to Liverpool and maybe the reason that Liverpool haven't looked to acquire a player in this particular role. And finding them players who can actually play both roles is actually quite difficult. So if he could become one of them, it'd be a massive plus to Liverpool. And often, you know, I hear a lot of supporters talk about what they'd like to see come into Liverpool and they often say, well, we need a forward player. And that's all well and good, but okay, another forward player. Well, we know that Liverpool aren't going to be in the market at this moment in time for the absolute few elite players who play, say, number nine in Europe. So what player would you talk about? Are you talking about a player who'd come in and be essentially a fifth choice to that front three? Because when you think about and break down the other teams in the Premier League, let's take, for example, uh, Manchester City. So Gabriel will play as the, the one sort of central striker. He's the only player who plays as a nine. And then the other wide players you would suggest are Mares. Raheem Sterling, Theron Torres, as an example. Now, they are players who can only play on the highest line of the pitch. They can't drop into midfield. So that gives you four options there in City's attack. Now, Liverpool have four options to play on the highest line. The difference is the other options City have to play on the highest line are also hybrid midfielders. When you think about Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Bernardo Silva, these are the kind of players you're talking about where they can flit between the two positions and that's what gives you the strength. That's what Liverpool needs. to be able, not a, a fifth-choice striker or a fourth-choice striker who's going to come in because it isn't going to improve Liverpool's team and it wouldn't necessarily be a change that you would make to put them into the first 11 with, a, with an idea to improve the quality of your forward output. What you would want is you'd want a player who can adopt both roles but has that absolute elite quality to make your team better, whichever of them two positions they play. And that is the difference. And it's very much the case if you look at 
Chelsea in them areas as well. You know, you can fit Manchester United into that. They maybe only have one other player combines who can play on the highest line. The rest of them are a hybrid between the two. And I think that's what's the little bit confusion for me when I look at people who are essentially wanting someone who's going to come in as a backup. I, I don't understand the logic and Liverpool certainly have, I suppose, them players in Minamino and Origi. I mean, what other players are going to come in and be happy with that role who are going to be at the required quality? So I just wanted to explain that a little bit because I thought it was relevant in terms of what Liverpool may need and why Elliot may be so valuable to them this season, but also in the longer term. So good performance and a good, um, well, I say good performance. It was, you know, the Liverpool got the job done and there's things to work on. And as much as there was some negative aspects to the performance, there was also some really positive ones. So that's all that matters at this stage as they build towards peak form and fitness for the season to come. Hi, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. Two games in, five goals scored, and a beautifully chunky round, zero goals conceded. This Liverpool team is up to something. Something that could be ominous for the rest of the league. Indeed, if I were an opposing player or manager, even after just two games, I wouldn't be simply quaking in my boots. I'd be trembling in my wife runts like a school canteen blancmange. Alison Becker, Joel Matip and Big Virgil were all imperious today, standing up to the typical Burnley thuggery with grace, leadership and power. Virgil's distribution was breathtaking at times, as was Trent's. And at the back, Costas Tsimikas has already become a crowd favourite with his talent, endeavour and ability to whip a tasty ball plumb onto someone's noggin. The noggin in question in the first half, of course, belonged to Diogo Jota, who had intelligently gained a yard in front of Benmi to glance into the bottom corner. Jota is getting so damned clinical, he needs to start wearing a stethoscope out there. What a finish! Dodgy opening couple of minutes in the second half, Liverpool grabbed Burnley by the dangly ones and had them pushed back in their penalty box for a good 20 minutes, banging and banging on the door until Mane could finally make it to with a gorgeous finish to a gorgeous move. In that period of Christian Grey-like domination, Harvey Elliott showed why people have been raving about him for a couple of years now as he grew into the game like a zit would grow on his teenage face, prominent, menacing and explosive. We weren't perfect, of course. We needed to fight all the way to the final whistle to protect that beautifully chubby zero in the goals against column. But on the other hand, with two goals scored and the chances to score at least three more, this was an excellent display by the Rocket Reds. What good times. 2-0. Chelsea next. This is Owen from Copon saying something's brewing at Liverpool FC. And I think it's going to taste delicious. 
You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.